We would like to welcome you this morning to Abundant Life Ministries as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Well, if you will this morning, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6. Now, as you turn there, I want to... um, have you think about something that, that, that I read, that I studied, about a man by the name of Andre Maginot. In the 1920s and 1930s, there was a man by the name of Andre Maginot, and Andre Maginot was, he lived during the time between World War I and World War II. And he desired for France to build this wall between Germany and France, which would entitle them to never being uh, invaded by Germany again. And so they desired to, to design this wall, this concrete fortification, if you will, that would allow tanks and other obstacles to keep away from crossing over into France. This wall of defense was thought to be indestructible giving them the assurance and the hope that they would never again be invaded by Germany. But during this time in which he built this wall, spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on this, Germany began to develop a a new type of warfare, one that dealt with heavy artillery and tanks. and, And it was just a matter of no time before Germany began to invade France and they moved through this Maginot line almost unopposed. All the way from Germany to France down to the English Channel, they were unopposed, as if that massive line of defense was paper mache. You see, this morning I want you to understand that, that France had placed their faith in something that had failed them. They believed a lot like people do today that they were safe. But it wasn't until Germany came through that they saw their troubles. Let me ask you this morning a question. What is it in your life this morning that you're placing your trust in? What walls of defense have you built up in your life which you place your hope, your faith, and your trust in. What is the object of your trust? Are you trusting in worldly things, or are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself? You know, we put our trust in a lot of things. We put them in materials, we put them in doctors, we put them in all of these other things like medicine and whatnot, and the reality is, is we put it in money and The fact is, none of those should be our source of security. Are we consistently as Christians leaning on our own abilities? Or are we trusting in some other type of source for our provision apart from Jesus Christ? Now listen, you can head out of this church and you can go to churches all across America that will preach a prosperity gospel. 
They will tickle your ears, but listen, the Bible says there will come a time that people accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, wanting and desiring to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for them teachers in accordance to their own desires that will teach a false gospel. That will preach to you this morning. Oh, you can come here and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Ace, ask for that car and he'll give it to you. Ask for that house and, and be blessed. Well, last night I posted on Facebook because somebody showed this picture of this man standing on the side of the street and he was, he didn't look very blessed to me, but they said, be thankful today. Somebody's got it worse. Thank God for all your blessings. Listen, what we've done in America as we have said, unless you have this, this, and this, you're not blessed. And if you don't have that, then you're not blessed. What we've said is God is a God who gives material possessions. But I want you to understand this morning, God is a God who gives spiritual blessings. Because that man in Africa who doesn't have a a microphone to speak through whether this one's working or not, the fact and the truth is this... He can be just as blessed, if not more blessed than us, with, with videos and, and, and Bibles. He can be blessed. But yet in America, we say, hey, unless we have materials, unless we have nice houses, unless we drive fancy, fancy cars, unless we wear something that's of great value in clothing, then we haven't been blessed. And I want you to understand that's a false assumption this morning. Because many people who have those things are enslaved to those things, and the very thing they consider a blessing is actually a curse. Because they begin to rely on those things, and they begin to trust in those things. Let's read our passage of Scripture this morning in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. It's a simple text of Scripture. But I want you to understand it's one that you will find and I will find in our lives is hard to accomplish. Because the culture around us wants us to trust in everything but an omnipresent and omniscient God. This morning I want to look at three key points that I think will help sum up Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in which it talks about trusting. So number one, we need to trust in God. Number two, we need to rely on God. And thirdly, we need to recognize God. Let me start out by looking at point number one, we need to trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5a, the beginning of that verse says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You see, trust, I believe, is is kind of the, the center pivot point. In life, it's the it's the it's the 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 center of what this passage is speaking about, and everything else revolves around that one part, trust. What do I mean by trust? Well, what does it look like to trust? Well, the Hebrew word here that we find in Scripture in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, we got it in English, but before translating English, the word that we look at is batak. Now, what's that mean? Well, it means this. It means to confide in. It means to, to have hope in, to set one's hope and confidence in something. Or someone. It means to be full of confidence in something or someone. It says trust in 
And so it shows action toward something. To be full of confidence toward the Lord is what it's saying. Now you may be here this morning and you may say, you know, Pastor, I I trust in the Lord. And I may say that I trust in the Lord. But doesn't real trust show action? Let me ask you this morning, how are your actions? Do your actions prove that you truly trust in God? Because I don't know about you, but in my imperfection and in my ability and in my sin, I find myself failing to trust in God, not because I think I trust, but because I fail to act like I trust. Which goes to show that I truly don't trust in God sometimes. What do your actions look like? You and I both should be living this type of life out as Christians. And if we are, then people will begin to see things in our daily lives and they will begin to see us taking and stepping faiths and being bold in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, you know, that's what I want in life. I want to be a bold Christian that can just do anything that God calls me to do. But that life is difficult. That's a a hard life to pursue in the Christian walk. You know, when we came here to Abundant Life, it it was a step of faith for my family and I. But, you know, I could sit there in the comfort of a... Uh, a nice mega church that's doing well, that's got godly people that, I'm, that I get excited about going to, and I could sit under a, a great pastor and begin to, to enjoy that internship, or I could come to a church and feed people the Word of God and invest in people and help restructure and rebuild something that seemed to be falling apart when I got here. Not knowing where our paycheck would come from, you know, when Barry and I met, he said, hey, man, we want to we we pay you this amount of money. I said, Barry, where are you going to get that money? There's like 10 people in church on Sunday. We're just going to trust God to give it to you. And I said, hey, that's what I like. I can work with that. Because about the time I start relying on people and you begin to rely on people, we begin to struggle. But when we can sit back and go, you know what, I don't know where it's going to come from, I don't know how it's going to happen, but the fact is, we're going to trust in God to take care of all of our needs. And we can begin to see God work. We can begin to see God do things that we can't do when, when it's all there, when we got it all together. Now, the fact is, is just because we trust doesn't mean we won't struggle with trusting in our daily walk with the Christ. Faith and trust come together and they collide and the reality is, is whether it be today or tomorrow or yesterday, the fact is that faith and trust is going to collide in your walk and in your life at some point. You're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to trust in me or am I going to trust in that or am I going to trust in the Lord? You know, Second Chronicles I'm reminded of here, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And, and if, you, if you don't know me well enough yet, you'll know that, that the stories where, where men and women in the Bible step out on faith and they do crazy, wild things for the Lord really interest me. They like excite me because that's who God's made me to be. 
He wants me to live my life on faith. He wants you to live your life on faith as well. But I think God calls some to be kind of courageous in doing crazy things for the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't just call anybody to go sacrifice their son, right? No, He called Abraham. And here in Second Chronicles, we find something that, that just blows my mind when I read Scripture. So let's, if you will, turn there. Second Chronicles, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. If you don't know where it's at, it's right there somewhere. If you're in Proverbs, just flip back a few books and you'll see it. Second Chronicles, chapter fourteen. This is a great passage that reminds us of what it means to step out on faith. And it comes from a man by the name of King Asa. King Asa was a man of God that did right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, all of the kings did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. It just takes a moment to begin to read through the Old Testament. And when they begin to get kings, they... They did what was right in their own eyes and they rejected the Lord. But King Asa started out well. We begin to see that, that it says here in verse 2 of chapter 14, Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord, his God. And he began to, to remove these false altars and these incense altars and all of these things that were happening in Judah, that they had begun to, to worship these false gods. And, and here this king comes in, and he has a, a, a reformation, so to speak. And we see that God begins to bless him because of his efforts. Knowing that... He is doing what God calls him to do. He says right here in verse 7, he says, For he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers and gates and bars. Now, don't miss out. Now, now I just spoke about a man by the name of Andre Maginot that decided he was going to build a wall for protection, right? And he put his faith in that. All of France put their faith in that, that cement wall and that those barriers and, and all of those weapons that were there. They, they put their faith in that. And here, now we find Asa, this, this king, this, this God-man at this moment, is now calling his people to build up cities and build up walls. Walls in, in the Old Testament were designed for protection. And so he says, let's build up walls, towers, and gates, and bars, and, and the land is, is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God, and we have sought Him, and He has given us rest on every side. And so then it says, they built and prospered. They built and they prospered. Notice what he says as he gets all this stuff built. He says this, Now, Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah bearing large shields and spears and 280,000 from, from Benjamin. Now, out here I've added these two up in my column of my Bible and I've written out 580,000 people. Here King Asa had an army of 580,000 people. Sounds like a lot, right? 
I mean, to me, that's a lot. I wish I had that much money sometimes. And he says they were bearing shields and uh, welded, welding bows, and all of them were valiant warriors. Sounds like he's doing pretty good. But something happens. Something happens in this king's life. And we find here in verse 9 that Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them. What's that mean? He broke out war. He wanted to have war against them. And so he broke out in war with them, with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. Now let me ask you a question. Does 580,000 sound like that much anymore? No, it's all uh, subjective, right? It's all relative. Numbers are relative. It sounded good when I first said it, but now here we find this man with 580,000 standing up against an army twice as big as him. Okay, so you, you want to really get a good perspective of it. Let's take everybody in this room and put them all to one side, a hundred, and go against like one. You'd say, there's no way in the world that guy's going to win. Now, he built cities and he built walls for protection. He did all of those things, right? But listen to what it says. And out to my side here, I've got Zarir's army at 1.3 million. Verse 10 says, So Asa went out to meet him and drew up in battle formation in the valley of Morashah. Okay? Now, what did he just do? What did this man just do? Did, is he taking a step of faith? He ain't prayed about it, right? He's about to go in battle that he's going to lose. There's no doubt. 580 against 1.3 don't win. It's not like they had rockets and airplanes and all those things. These dudes were fighting with shields, swords, and bows, and chariots. And yet he draws up to them. But then listen to what he says. Now we begin to see his focus. Now we begin to see his focus here in verse 11. 2 Chronicles 14, 11 says, And then Asa called to the Lord his God. You know, I think too many times, listen, hang with me this morning. When we get to see a, a trial that's facing us, we want to go, God, help us through this trial. That's great. But listen to the faith this man has. He gets his army. He carries them up. And he lines up to battle against double, more than double of his people. First. He steps out in faith. He steps out in trust. And then he says, God, I'm ready to go. But I know I can't do without you. So then he called to the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. He compares himself to what? Those who have no strength. He knows the battle's not his to win. But he knows his God. He knows the God that he worships. So help us 
O Lord, our God, for we trust in you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God, let no man prevail against you. We see a great and mighty act of trust right here in the life of King Asa. Not in his circumstance. His circumstance did not look good, did it? No, it didn't. But he trusted. He relied and he recognized God. And that's what we want to do as we leave here today. I wonder how many of us miss blessings. We miss out on blessings because we fail to trust in God. And in His ways. And how many times do we fail to bring ultimate glory to God when we fail to trust in Him? Probably more often than we want to admit. I also wonder how many people fail, how many people suffer because we fail to trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now the Hebrew word here for heart is, it means leb. That's the Hebrew word is leb. It means inner man. It means the mind, the will, the heart. What it's saying is your very life, your very thoughts, the very schemes of your mind. With all of that, we're called to trust in the Lord. Every part of our being. Now, is there ever a time it's okay not to trust in God? I mean, we're rational human beings, right? It seems like there could be a time in which God could excuse us from not trusting in Him. Maybe you find it's easy not to trust in God and you can justify... We, can you agree that we can justify about anything in our mind? We can, we can just about accomplish any evil act. We can accomplish any sin by justifying in our mind that it's okay. But the question still remains, is it ever okay not to trust? So when money gets tight, do you you hold it from the Lord? Do you withhold your money from God? Or do you trust Him to be your provider? When all you can think about is finding a new woman or a new man for you young people in here, looking for a husband, looking for a wife, Adam didn't have to go looking, did he? God is capable. And He can provide for you, woman. And trust me, you don't want one that God hasn't ordained for you to have. That would not be good. How about a calling God has called you to? You know, we want to be doctors and lawyers and dentists and we want to do all these great things and Yet, God may call you to the mission field. God may call you to turn in your thousands for dollars. Are you going to trust in God or are you going to trust in the culture? How about giving something you've been led to give? Maybe God's put on your heart to give something to somebody. And yet, In fear of losing it, you haven't did what God's called you to do. You might even think it's an undoable task. There's been many people blessed by God. By people who stepped out on faith and lived and have accomplished and have done what God has called them to do. And the rewards are eternal for those people. Sometimes we 
have things we can do on our own. But it's in those moments that we have to trust that we can't fix it, that we can't figure it out. It's then you and I have no choice but to trust. I remember when Annabelle was just a, a baby, and I, it was the, my first child. I, I never had children before, and here my two-year-old daughter was diagnosed with staph infection in her knee, about to die. And I'm in the hospital, and I'm having to make a decision. You think I knew how to make a decision? No. It was the first time in my life I ever had to 100% trust in God, whether I liked it or not. I had no control over what happened in the next room. I had no control over that staff that was in her knee. But I realized it the first God taught me in that. That's what it is to trust. When you can sit back and you can find peace and comfort in knowing that whatever happens in that room, I can trust in God that He has accomplished everything that's going to happen. If she don't make it, guess what? I'll see her in heaven one day. And if I don't make it, if I have a heart attack out here waiting on her, we'll meet together again. The fact is, is it was the first time that I really had to trust in God. God wants to show us how to trust. So maybe this morning you're in a situation, maybe there's some difficulties going on in life, and God's just trying to show you what it is to trust in Him. Because sometimes there's no other answer. It stinks. It's difficult. It's hard. It's it's painful. It hurts. But God's up there going, all I need you to do is understand what it is to trust and to rely and to recognize who I am. And this morning it may be that He just simply wants you to trust in Him. I say trust because when you trust God, He can be better glorified. We do need to trust in God, but not only do we need to trust in God, secondly, we need to rely on God. What's the difference between trust and rely? Well, I can trust, but rely is what holds it all together, I think. I can trust God in my circumstance, but to flesh that out, I must rely Because it may not turn out the way that I want it to turn out. Therefore, there needs to be some type of reliance on God. Proverbs 3, 5, the second part of that verse says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You know, too many times in our lives we want to lean on our own understanding. Because we think we have it all figured out. We think we know everything. At least that's what my daddy told me when I was a kid. Son, you know, you think you know everything. Well, I probably do think I know everything. And that's why this verse tells me not to lean on my own understanding. Because what it's telling me is I don't know everything. So why is it important that you and I, and we're not leaning on understanding? I mean, God did give us a brain to think, right? Well, here's my theological answer why. Because no matter what, we don't understand the mind of God. We can't grasp the infinite, omniscient, omnipresent mind of God. 
when things are tied and Sunday morning rolls around and, you know, and, and I bring this up because this, these are my struggles. If I preach to you anything other than my struggles, <laughs> then I'm just being hypocritical, right? These are things that I deal with. When Sunday morning rolls around and it's time to pay that tithe and I look at my bills and I go, I got to pay my bills. Am I going to rob God of what's his? Or am I going to trust God? Let me tell you how God works. I made a mistake, okay, in my checkbook this week. Well, about four weeks ago, actually. About a $350 mistake. And I just became aware of the situation Friday night. Okay? So now I'm sitting back and I owe a friend of mine $350. You think I got $350 just laying around? No. But listen to what happened. I go to this fishing tournament, okay? And, and, and there's some raffles about to take place. And there's one gift left to raffle off. Now, did I buy the raffle tickets? No, I didn't have the money to buy raffle tickets. Matter of fact, the brother came up to me and said, here's five raffle tickets, take these. So I took the raffle tickets, and I'm thinking I'm going to probably win the water hose or something. Last raffle, $500 gift certificate for PowerPool. Who won it? Yours truly. Before I ever got the certificate in my hand, a man comes to me and says, can I buy that from you? I said, I don't know. Let me think about it. So then I asked my partner, do you want to buy it? He said, no. And so I texted the guy. I said, how much you give me? He said, $300. I said, I need $350. I got a bill to pay. He said, sold. I got a check in my pocket right now. That's how God works. That's how God works. It, I, I've seen it over and over and over and over in my life. Listen, until we start stepping out on faith, until we start trusting in God, until we start relying on God, we can't begin to see God work in amazing ways. Now, I didn't win the tournament. That's all right. I got my bill paid for. Will we trust in God when it's time to do what He's called us to do? Or will we begin to rely on our circumstance and our understanding? He says, do not. How should we respond when things need to be done on Sunday morning at the house? Do, do, we just, do we just say, you know what, <clears throat> I'm not coming to church Sunday, i got a lot to do. Listen, God asks us to, to keep the Sabbath holy. It's one day a week. We come in here at 10.30 and I have you out by 12 unless you were here a couple of weeks ago and we went to 12.30. We started 30 minutes late, so I just went ahead and did my normal routine. My point is this. Are we willing to settle, to sacrifice what God's called us to do so that we can place our trust in what we want to do? Or are we going to trust that, you know what, I'm going to go to church and then I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to church and then I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go to church, then I'm going to go mow my yard. I'm going to go to church, then I'm going to go help so and so. But I ain't going to let nothing get in front of me between me and church, me and God. Not church, but the gathering of the body of Christ together to worship and to serve God corporately. 
Because I can tell you what, the longer I live in this Christian walk, the more I realize that the devil, the enemy, is seeking to keep you out of this body right here on one day a week. He wants to do whatever he can to prevent you from being here on Sunday morning. Because he doesn't want you to grow. He don't want you to get to know your neighbor. He don't want you to be able to know what's going on in your neighbor's life so you ain't praying for him. But I want you to understand that when you begin to say, you know what, the devil, listen here, me and you, we fixing to duke it out, brother. You ain't going to prevent me from gathering with my people on Sunday no more. I'm done with it. And you begin to say, you know what, I'm going to trust in God. If it don't get done, oh, well, end of the week, I'll start over tomorrow. Monday's going to be terrible anyways. That's why I take them off. I'm just going to start on Tuesday. Y'all have a bad Monday. That's all right. I'm going to take my day off on Monday. Thank God it's Sunday. Thank God it's Monday. Thank God it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Because now we have an opportunity to serve one another, to put our faith in God, and watch God do some crazy things in our lives. We should respond in faith. We should respond by trust. But many times you and I will fail. And listen, don't, I'm not here to beat, beat you over the head because you missed a Sunday. Listen, I love you. But I love you too much to see you not here on Sunday and let the devil put a whooping on you. But I ain't mad at if you ain't here on Sunday. I love you. But I can tell you what, there's people in here right now. Or Let me refuse that. There are people who are not here right now because they missed a Sunday. And then that Sunday turned into another Sunday. And that Sunday turned into another Sunday. And the next thing you know, it's six, seven weeks later. They ain't been to church. So if I call you on the phone and say, hey, where are you at Sunday? It's not because I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure you're here. I'm, I want to make sure the devil don't get in your world and start messing you up. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. So if you miss more than two Sundays, you're probably going to get a phone call from me. Unless I understand the circumstances, then I probably won't bother you. Because we care about you. We want to see you step out on faith and trust that no matter what, I'm going to do what God calls me to do. Because it's when we do the little things that he calls us to do that he'll begin to give us bigger things to do for him and make impacts for the kingdom of God. The fact is, we're not called to lean on our own understanding. While it may make the most sense in the world to us, listen, many times God will call you to do things that make absolutely no human sense. Because he wants to be glorified. It's also a command. Do not. It's not optional. It says do not lean on your own understanding. Look, when you and I lean on God, when we really lean on God, when we begin to put a little pressure on God, we'll begin to see God do neat things because, listen, people are watching to see if he's going to go through with what you're doing in life. And when you step out on faith and you begin to do the things God calls you to do, you're going to be see amazing things take place and people are going to watch and people are going to go, wow, I want that kind of life. I want to live by that kind of faith. Francis Chan, I mean, man of God, lives by faith. I'm encouraged by his life. But the fact is, Many will fail. But Proverbs 14, 12 says, Listen, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. People are working themselves sometimes away from God 
because they're leaning on their own understanding, their own way, their own mentality. But I want to call you this morning to remember King Asa. This man of God. She stood before this great multitude of Ethiopians. There against that 1.3 million standing against that 580,000. When he felt like there's no chance in the world by myself I can do this. And therefore I'm going to trust in God. He trusted. He relied. But listen, I want you to understand he didn't always rely. If you know the life of King Asa, he began to fail. And he began to not trust. And he began to buy his way against nations. Because there in Second Chronicles 16.12, we, we find something a little different. It says in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was f- severe, yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physician. You know, this man teaches us a lot. He teaches us a lot about faith, and he teaches us a lot about how easy it is to turn our backs on God and not trust and not rely. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. We have a lot of people right now who are in the doctors, who rely on doctors. And there's nothing wrong with building up protection for your family. There's nothing wrong with protecting your family. There's nothing wrong with carrying a gun around in your house to protect your family. But the moment you put your faith in that object or that person and forget it's ultimately God, then you've just switched your faith. You trust in that gun or you trust in that doctor. You trust in that medicine more than you do God. What we need to do is trust that God in His sovereignty will use those things to protect us. It's all about perspective. And I want to see us change our perspective and begin to trust and rely. And yet, thirdly, to recognize God. We need to recognize God. The last verse 6 reads, Proverbs 3 and 6, 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, the Hebrew word here for acknowledge is this word here. Yada. Okay? Now that's like yada, 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 whatever. Nobody knows what that means. But it it means this. Again, it's Hebrew. We don't have it in English as yada. We have it in English acknowledge. But what it means is to know. It means to know. Now, what I want to ask you is do we really know this God that we worship? I think we could all get better at knowing this God we worship. And how do we get more acquainted with this God we worship? Well, it starts by being in our Word. Studying the Word of God. Reading it. Praying. Listening to what God's speaking. And so many times we're so busy talking to God, we can't hear a word He says. You know, sometimes on Sunday when I'm coming in, first thing you do, you get in your car, what do you do? You turn on the radio, right? Well, I got about halfway to work, and I realized my radio wasn't on, and I was thinking 
about things and God was, you know, maybe drawing my attention to certain things in my life. But it was in that moment of silence that I realized I need to do this more. I just need to cut that radio off and, and pray and use that time in the car to talk to God and allow God to talk to me. Sometimes you need to sit still and be quiet, right? Be still and know that I'm God. Be, be silent and know that He is God. And so the question is, do we really know God? You see, the Bible teaches that, that God is spirit in the attributes of God, that God is spirit. God is life. He's infinite. He's immutable. He's truth. He's love. He's eternal. He's holy. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. God is everything. And He, listen, is the one we need to trust in. a matter of fact, I would venture as far as to say He's the only one we can trust in. Because no matter how much my wife loves me, she can trust in me for a little while, but at some point I may fail her. I can't promise that I won't fail her. I can sure pray to God that I don't fail her. But listen, there's many men in this pulpit who have failed their wives. God can be trusted. And you can put your faith in God. You know, a few years ago, uh, we were still in Bible college, and we had decided what we were going to do with our lives. We were going to take a step and move off, and we were going to Dallas, Texas, and I was going to go get my THM, my Master's in Theology, from Dallas Theological Seminary. That's been a dream of mine, and still chipping away at it. Probably won't ever go back to Dallas. But we went there on a trip, me and her, our first trip alone together since, since we've had children, since our anniversary, since our wedding so we were there, and we were driving around the city. Had no idea where we were. I mean, you know, we're from Bluffton. You know, it's like you go to a city, it's like big. You have no idea where anything is. So I got my cell phone out. You know, I'm, you know, little gals on there telling me where to go. And so we're driving. I'm like, oh, we got this. Next thing you know, ooh, the phone goes dead. Now I'm sitting in the middle of a city. My cell phone's dead. I got no Jeep. I got no clue where I'm at. And I want you to know this. I had put a lot of trust in that GPS. I mean, I did everything that GPS told me to do. But let me tell you what. When that GPS went dead, I lost all the trust I had for it. Listen, I want you to understand. People will fail you. Things will fail you. But God will never fail you. That's why it's important. You and I not only trust rely, but that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him, and it says He will make our straight our paths. When those tanks were going through that Maginot line, their sense of trust went away. When the stock market crashes, like it has many times in the past, many will lose their trust in the stock market. When I was fishing in that tournament yesterday and I had a new sponsor that gave me some new line and I put it on my reel and I cast it, it got knotted up. So I cut it, cast it, it got knotted up. I lost all the trust I had in that new line. I went back to my old stuff. Things will fail us. When you know, 
when we begin to trust in God, lean on God, know who God is, listen, God does not fail us. You are not a failure. You have maybe put yourself in a bad position. But don't go blaming it on God because God says, listen, when I tempt you, I don't tempt you with sin. Don't ever say when you're tempted by sin that I'm being tempted by God. For God, God does not tempt with sin. Now, I may have go spent my money in the wrong place, and I may pray to God to get me out of it, but He may not. He may want me to stay right there and learn my lesson the hard way. Many times we want to go blame God on things that we put ourselves in. And then we want to go lean on God after the fact. We need to trust, rely, and to recognize who God is. And we need to know that God is the only person that will never fail. Oh yeah, Pastor, I'm feeling you on that one. What about my life? What about my illness? What about my money that's gone? What about these difficult times which I live in? Listen, we all have them. And they are hard times. And I would do you an injustice to lie to your face and say, Oh, when you become a Christian, everything's going to be hunky-dory. Baloney. That's a false message. Jesus says, in this life, there will be trials. The question is, is you, are you going to be purified through these trials? You are like a piece of gold to God, and you have impurities in you, and God wants to sift you and mold you and release all those impurities so that when you stand before God, He can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I tell you this morning, begin to trust, begin to rely, and begin to recognize on God in those situations you're going through. Don't begin to reject God or to separate you. That's what the devil wants. We need to rely and trust on Him. And that understand that God will direct our paths. And when you really know God and know about the attributes of God, you can begin to trust God. And you begin to rely on God. And you can begin to recognize God. Some may be here today and have not yet leaned or to know or to trust on God. But let me tell you, you can do that today. You can do that to the game. Begin by trusting, relying, and recognizing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you.